0: On today's episode of Stupid Wise Girl, the podcast, I speak with family specialist Carolina Chaletska. Her story, as you will hear, moved me for many, many reasons, and it's something that I really, really love discussing. And mental health is a real thing happening today more than ever, and I'm a believer that the more conscious we become as people, the better our mental health can become carolina overcame something so tragic and she believed in herself her faith and changed her life completely and is now becoming a conscious parent and teaching conscious parenting i really hope you guys pay attention and listen to this interview there's so much great stuff here Gave me permission to do this. Oh my god. Sometimes we're gonna laugh and sometimes we're gonna cry. That's just the way it goes.
1: Welcome to Stupid Wise Girl. The- podcast for everyone and anyone who is seeking their purpose, who wants to change but might feel stuck. Our title is a perfect example of why you should not judge a book by its cover. Jackie aims to help everyone, not just females. Learn to dig deep into yourself in every episode and get real with what you need as we figure out exactly what that is. Whether it's a relationship or a career, we as individuals make stupid mistakes, although our wiser, higher self always knew better. We must get to a place where we can accept ourselves stupid and move forward into our wise. Here is your host, Jackie Minsky.
0: Hey guys, and welcome back to another episode of Stupid Wise Girl, the podcast. I have a very special guest today all the way from Dublin. Please welcome... Carolina Chalecka to the show. Thank you so much, Carolina, for doing this with me.
1: Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here. Thank you, Jackie, for inviting me.
0: I'm someone who I manifest a lot in my life. I'm very spiritual. And before the interview began, Carolina and I were speaking. And if you're someone that does know me or does follow me, you know that I love Ireland. So when I came across Carolina on social media, I loved her message. I love what she's teaching and the fact that she was that you are from Ireland is such a plus for me that I (laughs) feel that it's definitely, definitely great
1: to have you on the show. I I just thought this morning that you really manifested me like (laughs) I I I feel it. So yeah. I am really glad.
0: (laughs) If I ever come to Ireland, which I will, (laughs) because that's definitely something I want to do soon, I'm gonna come visit you. (laughs) You are invited. So I'm going to dive right into the questions and we're going to get right into it. So how did you start your journey and how did you become a family coach and start teaching your mission?
1: Well, first of all, I can say that when I came to Ireland, which was 15 years ago, I think that was the moment when really my awakening process has started. I think because I left my country, I think I I disconnect I disconnected in a way from certain ways of being in there. And I started thinking that I would like to work with people, help people, maybe study psychology and do more of like contributing to this planet. And it didn't happen straight away, it took me many years and for a while I worked in the bank and when I came back from maternity leave uh, because I gave birth to my second child, I experienced a really difficult time at my workplace I mean I wasn't happy there at all for the first part because I really I, I think I'm meant to do here something completely different so that was the first uh, reason and the second reason was that there was a lot of stress a lot of overtime I was very disconnected from my family because I didn't spend time with them I worked even weekends and I completely completely lost connection with them so how it ended up I ended up on sick leave at home with my family. And for a while, it was really tough for all of us because of the fact that I was very, very depressed, very seriously depressed. And even though I didn't work anymore, I was at home, I was supposed to get better. I didn't because of the fact that I couldn't connect with my family. I was so depressed that I couldn't enjoy time with them, couldn't play with them. My daughter at the time, she was six months old. And when I even tried to connect with her, she didn't react to me because I was very, you know, as a depressed person, uh, a child can feel the energy a lot. As you probably know, children can really tune into the energy. So she didn't react to me. She didn't respond in a way that made me feel like I'm a good parent. So I ended up thinking that I'm a really bad mother. I ended up thinking that you know there is nothing good that I can do here and of course there were other reasons as well like also bullying that I experienced uh, when I was at school and later on in my life and this has created a belief in me that maybe there is something wrong with me and you know that there is that I'm not uh, that I don't deserve to be here and it ended up in me jumping in front of the train because there was one day when I felt like I don't see that, I don't feel that I'm any good here. It was really, really tough. And I want to say here that when people decide to do it when they are depressed, most of the time they don't want to die, but they are feeling so desperate and they just don't know what to do. And that's how I felt. So there was just one day when it felt like I don't see what else I can do. And before I jumped in front of the train, I prayed for a miracle. Wow. And I asked that something, you know, that there is some power, something that helps me. And when I woke up, I had beside me a nurse. And she was really a lovely nurse. And she said that uh, in the morning when she prayed, she got a message from God that there is a girl in hospital that really needs help and that she wanted to take her life and away and that she needs help. She really, really helped me because she gave me this glimpse of hope that, okay, maybe, you know, maybe because she said that this girl has something important to do here. And I thought, okay, maybe I can be a good mother at the end or maybe apart from it, I can do something else, who knows? And this girl prayed for me every day. She was uh, beside my bed very often. And she even took me to a healer. And healer was amazing. He's done he's done an amazing job. He told me that I will recover from it very fast. And even though my doctors told me that it will take me half year to walk again, it took me just two months. And I left the hospital after one month. And after two months, I was already feeling up and running again and feeling hope, and feeling maybe not fully happy yet because it took time to recover. But after two weeks, I started feeling hope. I started feeling that there is a way for me. And yeah, so it was like, it was really like a miracle um, because, you know, I, I survived the train. I, I had my, just my hip was broken and my hand was broken, but I recovered really, really fast uh, from it.
0: Wow. So... Yeah, that's, that's, um, so many questions and so many things come to my mind. Um, first of all, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm so sorry that, you know, and anyone who's listening, you know, just like you said, when someone wants to, you know, hurt themselves or do something, it's not so much that someone might want to die. It's they're crying out for help or they want their pain to stop. So I'm so sorry that it got to such a dark place for you, but I'm so very happy that you turned it around into this powerful message. And I'm I'm so, I'm just, I'm very, I'm very honored to be talking to you and that you survived something like that. But something you said that, you know, you were given the gift of hope. And I think that's what, as parents, I think that's what our children look at uh, at us. And you even said, you know, they feel our energy, you know, they, yes. they feel energy more than anything. You know, even if we're trying to pretend we're happy and on the inside we're not, and we're tense and, you know, our body, you know, reacts to tension, you know, we can clench up our, you know, our, everything will be tight and they can feel that they can feel that animals and children, but especially young children do feel that. And, as parents, and this is what we're going to talk about today, as parents, our children look at us as their role models. And, you know, people always say, your children won't remember what you tell them. They're going to remember what you show them and, you know, who you are. And I want to know how important do you think it is for us as parents to show our kids it's okay to make mistakes? as long as we apologize or can correct them after. Cause I think a lot of the times people try to be perfect and that's where a lot of the parent parenting tension may come from. So I always like to do in front, you know, if I yell at my son, I will always say, I'm sorry. I'll say, I'm sorry. Either you were driving me crazy. I tell him, or, you know, mommy was having a bad day. And what that did for my son was in school, if he you know got in trouble or he did something, he was put on timeout, and then he came up to the teacher and then he he learned to say sorry because he learned that it was it was okay to make a mistake. so do you think it's important for us as parents to make mistakes and teach our children it's okay to make them as long as we apologize
1: Of course, I completely agree with you and As you said, that you sometimes apologize your son. I started doing it around maybe after this accident. That's one of the first things that I started doing. And it created such an amazing connection with him. The energy has changed so much because in this way, I built a trust him. And he actually, since then, he is coming to me all the time, hugging me and saying, mommy, I love you. It's completely different energy. He's not afraid of me anymore and he he treats me like um, it's it's completely different relationship. He knows that I am a you know I am a mom but he knows that I also make mistakes and when I make mistake I tell him and I think we should actually share with our children our stories and when we make mistakes because in this way they learn from us that it's okay to make mistakes. And they also learn about persistence and they build also the resilience muscles because they learn based on our own story, how how it's possible to set back from failures. And I think that's one of the best gifts that we can uh, give them when uh, we can uh, share or be open with them about those stories, those mistakes. They Because I think that children learn more from stories rather than us telling them oh you have to do this and that that's not going to work but when we tell them story subconsciously they completely differently react to it and they just they learn from it and then they in the future they copy the same behavior because they constantly mirror what we do when i was uh, feeling very sick and when i was still at work uh, working my husband was with my daughter at home and there were times when she was lying down on the floor and she didn't want to wake up and she didn't want to do anything because she was mirroring even my thoughts and emotions even though I wasn't there so they they constantly do it that's why we we need to share with us uh, with them the stories because they even when we share with them they even learn from us more and they learn from our mistakes and uh, it's one of the best things that we can offer for them.
0: Yeah, I do agree. And there's a saying, it goes, your children don't need a perfect mom. They need a happy mom. And I think a lot of the times parents and moms, especially women, and especially the roles that we play in today's day and age, we wear many hats and many shoes. Um, But a lot of the times parents tend to put themselves last And that's where depression comes from in the long run. And how important is self-love for each parent? And what exactly does it mean to put yourself first as a parent?
1: Well, I think, well, first of all, I think it's extremely important because, again, they mirror everything we do and even what we think, what we feel. So, again, we are like leaders for them so if we want them to do certain things they need to see us doing it so if we want them to be grateful uh, we need to be grateful first of all because then they will uh, mirror this behavior if we want them to be kind towards others they need uh, to see us being kind towards others and if they want if we want them to laugh themselves we, we want them to see us loving ourselves and also communicating towards ourselves in a loving way. So they they need to see that we take care of our body, that we, you know, that we do exercise, that we eat healthy, that we drink enough water, that in the morning we do this uh, routine in the morning to set us, to set ourselves up for the day. And when we do that, they copy exactly the same thing. I remember when I started doing visualization in the morning to, to help me to, to, to feel better and to improve my health. One day I, I asked my son, would you like me to teach you how to do visualization? And he said, mommy, I already do it because I've seen you doing it and I, and I do it. I imagine how my day is going to unfold. So that's why it's so important that we first of all do all these things and take care of ourselves because they by looking at ourselves, taking care of ourselves and loving ourselves, they will do exactly the same thing. And even without sometimes us knowing about it, they will repeat it. That, that's exactly so the same. It's
0: so funny because that was my next question. It was going to be how important mm. are routines to children and why. But I, ha- I have a few little routines that I do with my son. So as soon as he gets home from school, I have this thing, you know, take your shoes off, put them nicely, take your jacket off, you know, hang it up. But then I make him take, you know, his dirty clothes off from school and put it in his um, laundry hamper. And he already knows this, it's become a routine. But then I have like little other routines that I do with him. For example, every morning as I'm driving him to school, every single morning, I start his day by asking him, Who's the most handsome boy in the world? And he will say, <laughs> me. <laughs> and I'll I say, <laughs> who, do I, who do I love more than anyone in the world? And he'll say, Me. And then I say, Who's gonna have a good day? And he'll say, Me. And then, you know, I ask him to smile. And I do that every day. Every I have not missed one morning. I've been doing it for months now. Every morning I ask him that question. And sometimes I notice if I'm getting closer to school and I didn't ask it yet he's almost looking at me like well is she going to ask me my questions because he's almost he's almost already in his routine of yeah. happiness you know all these questions but how, how important are these routines to children and why are they so important?
1: Well, first of all, it is important because of we are being told that uh, the routines, they give our children a sense of security and they teach them uh, self-discipline and self-mastery. That's one thing. But there is also another thing which is also extremely important that all those routines, it's about habits. And the important thing to know here is that our subconscious mind creates 90% of results in our life. And subconscious mind is about habits. So if we want to create better results in our life, we need to create habits that will help to create those results. And as you say, every morning you ask your son to say these things, and this will create for him for the future, these uh, neural pathways in his brain, which, which will create those habits of thinking, yes, you know, I am a beautiful boy, I am a great boy, and all those, this habit of uh, positive self-talk, this is such a beautiful gift for the child, for for the future, and that's why I think that it's uh, like routines, like uh, brushing teeth, of course, this is very important, extremely important, but also routines from the perspective of how you think about yourself, uh, mental habits. Like, for example, I do with my kids gratitude every evening, and now they are used to it. My son has been doing it since with me since he was three years old, and now sometimes he comes over to me and he tells me, oh, mommy, I've done gratitude. And it helped me. He's doing it because we created a habit. We created a routine. And it's now it's a norm for him. Every time he's upset, he's doing gratitude. And it helps him. But it's something that they need to learn. Because we as parents, we make sure that they repeat it constantly. And now it's just uh, a norm that he does it. With my daughter, what I do every morning, I take her to the mirror. She's just five years old. And I just... Uh, say uh, to her who is that lovable girl in the mirror and she says I am lovable and that's again this will create a habit of her thinking about herself that she's lovable so I think this is extremely important from, from this perspective of creating this thinking pattern that you know I am lovable I can achieve so many great things in life. And uh, even, for example, with my kids, I also do a lot of affirmations in the evening time that's when their mind is operating at alpha level. And that's amazing because of the fact that then it gets uh, ingrained into their subconscious mind. So, for example, uh, my daughter, she started uh, school this year and she had difficulty to connect uh, with uh, some children. Like She was a little bit shy. So we created affirmation that I connect with other children easily. And she was telling it for a couple of days. And later on, she came home and she said, Mommy, I, I asked uh, this guy to play with me today. And I enjoyed the day so much. So it's uh, amazing what a you know, repetition, what it can do for us, uh, for, you know, for our subconscious mind, so that we believe in ourselves more. I love that
0: because I actually wrote an article About the subconscious and the conscious mind and also one of my episodes on my podcast is specifically About the subconscious mind and that it does create a lot of our conscious decisions And I love that You know, you do that with your children. I love that um But I also want to know because this is something i'm trying to teach my son and I know it's important but Meditation in children How do we teach it? How do we start teaching that because because you know affirmations and all that it's important, but meditation is something completely different, and is it something you have tried, and if so, how is that something we can teach our children? Uh,
1: another question I really love um, well, the, the, the first, I will say that you can teach them by being meditator yourself, and I'm gonna give you an example of my son. And uh, when he was three year old, one day I came back from uh, work and I saw him uh, sitting on the bed, sitting completely still and looking into the mirror. And I asked him, Antosh, what are you doing? I said, mommy, I meditate. He even didn't know how to say the word. He just said, I meditate, which he meant, I meditate, because he saw me doing that. So I even didn't teach him but he was already doing exactly the same thing. So that's the first step. And apart from that, what I do with my children, uh, usually at evening time, and sometimes also during the weekend when we have more time in the morning, I uh, sit down with them on the sofa. And uh, what we do, I, I make it easy for them because sometimes we I think we sometimes overcomplicate meditation. So what I do, uh, I teach them first of all breathing, and uh, not very complicated one. We just, I just say, uh, take a deep breath and just say relax. So it's, uh, it goes like that. Relax. And when you say relax, you say it in a way that it really makes you feel relaxed. It's like relax. And even when you say it this way, it already makes you feel relaxed. So I do it usually with them this way. And then the other thing that we do, I ask them to visualize their favorite place. Because children are very good at visualizing things. It really comes to them easily. So I tell them to go to their favorite place. For example, let's say the beach or maybe they have a favorite park or somewhere where they feel really relaxed. And I ask them to connect to this place using various senses. So I ask them maybe to feel warmth of the sun on their back or maybe hear the zeagulls if they are on the sea or maybe hear their children running around or feel the taste of salt on their mouth. And I ask them to connect to various senses, I tell them examples and I just walk them through, through, uh, through, through this meditation this way. And there is also another way that you can do it. Uh, it's kindness meditation, loving kindness meditation. And we usually do it in the evening time. We, I first of all, ask them to send love towards themselves. And then I say to them, think about the closest people who would you like to send uh, light or love to? And then maybe colleagues, then maybe neighbors, teachers. And we, we spread the circle. Like we go first to the, themselves and then we go, you know, to closest families, so on, so on. And even if there is another place, maybe like maybe somewhere there was a hurricane or something happened. So that in this way, I also teach them about the kindness towards others. And they love this meditation. We always think of someone that needs love and light. And we first start with them and then we spread it towards the other ones. So I think it really depends on the child. Yeah? So I try with my kids various types of meditation. We also do gratitude meditation where I ask them to think of things that they are grateful for. I try various approaches with them. I think it depends on the child. For some children, breathing may work better. For some children, visualizing. So it also is a matter of knowing your child and what works for them best that's that's how we do it in our house and that's what works for us i love that i love
0: that i I really love the loving and kindness meditation because i do that a lot especially if if someone ever is mean to me when someone is mean to me i know it's not me I know it's, you know, it's it's if someone's mean to you, it says more about them than it does about you. So when someone's mean to me or tries to upset me, I always meditate and send them love and light. So I love that you're teaching the children to just do that because that's a really great idea I didn't think about.
1: I love that, yeah. And you see, I think to teach them since young age about it, even uh, if they experience some bullying at school, I always tell them, send love to this person because that's what they need. It has nothing to do with you they may be going through a difficult time and, you know, send it to them and it, it helps them as well because all the energies keeps coming back to us. So if we get upset with someone and, and we send them bad energy it's not going to help us. So sending them light actually helps. And I think it's a great uh, thing to teach our children since they are very young.
0: Yeah. A lot of, a lot of the problems start at home and, a lot of it, you know, could be, you know, parents sometimes compare their children to other children. It could be their siblings or it could be their friends. How does comparing a child with another child affect them negatively? Because I hear it all the time. You know, I, I have a four year old. How how does that affect the child negatively when we as parents compare them to someone else?
1: I think I can answer this question by talking again about subconscious mind. Our subconscious mind doesn't like comparison. That's why it's the worst thing we can do. We may think that by comparing will motivate them, but it's going to do completely the opposite. And it's impacting their self-image, self-esteem. self And especially like with siblings at home, Again, that's the worst thing because, of course, there will always be competition between siblings because they are uh, comp- competing for parents' attention. And if we start comparing them, it makes it even worse. <laughs> think that each of us has something unique, a unique set of talents, abilities, uh, communication style. Each of us is born with that one thing, a purpose, something that they are great at. And I think as parents, we actually need to do quite opposite, not compare, but help each of our children to discover that gift, to discover that purpose, to discover something they are good at. And that's where we need to start. And that's how we improve this situation. And without, you know, even with uh, uh, siblings, if they compete with each other, I think we should make sure that we connect with each of those siblings, spend at least maybe even five or 10 minutes daily for them to feel loved and appreciated by us. And when they feel this connection and this love, this helps to diminish or decrease the the, the negative effects of, you know, comparison. Because when they feel loved, there is no more need to compete with each other because they feel okay i got the attention from my parents i got love from my parents so i am happy with that also tell them that they are a team rather than that they should compete with each other that they are a team that we are a family and if we are a family we are to to feel good with each other and help each other support each other but there is another thing that i want to mention too is that when, they have, uh, when there is this rivalry between siblings, we should never criticize them about, them about that. We should tell them it happens. So it's important for them to know that it's impossible to make it perfect. And that if it happens sometimes, it's still okay. It's more about how you respond to these uh, difficult situations when there is conflict.
0: So, yeah, so, so you do agree that parents sometimes are the cause of sibling rivalry without realizing.
1: Yes, they are. Yeah, I think they are because of the fact, first of all, because they compare, they, co- they make those comparisons. So that's the first reason. And the second reason is that sometimes actually children, when they see parents arguing with each other, they also mirror this behavior between themselves. So that's another, (laughs) that's another uh, reason. And now I'm not saying that it's bad for children to see parents arguing with each other because I think that if parents can manage this conflict in a peaceful way, it's a great lesson for children. A lesson that in every relationship there can be a conflict and that there is a way to resolve conflict in a loving way and you can discuss those differences by at the same time uh, considering point of view of the other person being empathetic and also that at the end you can you know give each other hug apologize if needed and still uh, be loving towards each other so I think that children can learn a lot from that and it can be a gift for them too if you do it in the, you know, in, a, in the right way and you are able to control your emotions as, as this uh, conflict arises.
0: Yes. And now I, I found this quote on your social media and this is what we're kind of discussing now. And um, when little people are overwhelmed by big emotions, it is our job to share our calm, not join in their chaos. So what are a few good ways parents can handle the heat of a moment during a child's tantrum?
1: Well, that's another question that has a lot to do with emotional intelligence. And uh, emotional intelligence, uh, it happens on many levels. So the first two levels are about how, uh, first of all, for us to recognize our emotions and manage them, and only then to recognize our children's emotions and manage them. So, if your child has a tantrum and it happens quite often, uh, the first uh, reaction can be like, you know, a screaming, yelling, getting upset with them, which is not uh, getting us anywhere. So, it's about not reacting, but actually responding to the situation. And responding means that you first ask yourself how you feel in this situation take a couple of breaths, allow yourself, first of all, to, to be in that uh, quiet place as much as possible, because I know it can be sometimes difficult when a you know, child has a tantrum, but at least try. And uh, once you, are, you feel balanced within you, you can then step in and help your child and help them to manage their emotion. And I think one thing that is very important here is to allow the child to express the, their emotions because, again, the way we are taught in our house—at least what I was uh, taught—is to say, "Oh, big boy, you are—you are, you are not supposed to cry. Everything is fine." But we don't allow them to express what they feel. And when we don't express them to, when we don't allow them to express the emotions, this leads to depression and anxiety because those emotions are suppressed. They are not expressed. So the, the next step is actually allowing them to express the emotions. First of all, you know, to validate them, maybe say to them, what you see is going on? Maybe say, you know, I can see you are very upset. I can see you are angry validate their emotions so that they feel heard, they feel understood. And only once you can see that they are quiet, that they have calmed down, then you can, together with them, come up with a solution. Or even sometimes it's better to do it maybe later on, maybe when you are relaxed, when you are in a peaceful state, maybe hugging on the sofa or snuggling on the sofa. And only then you can ask them, what, what they can do next time differently, how they would handle it in a different way in the future. Because that's when they are ready to think logically, use the part of that brain that is uh, responsible for logical thinking. Because when they are in this tantrum mode, uh, it's completely impossible. And we can expect from the child, especially the, for a small child, it's really difficult to, to manage their emotions and they need to learn it from us. And that's why it's important that we, first of all, balance our emotions in this moment, because, again, they are we are also role models for them. So that's why we, uh, as you said in the quote, we shouldn't uh, join in the chaos, but actually share our calm. Yeah? So uh-huh. we need to deal with our emotions, for, first of all.
0: Yeah. There's actually a book by Lewis Howes, um, The Mask of Masculinity. And it's something you just said. A lot of the times we say, don't cry, everything's okay. Mm -hmm. And we're teaching them that whatever they're feeling is wrong, which makes them more sad as they get older because now they don't know how to express themselves. And when a child doesn't know how to express themselves, that's where the tangent tamper tantrums come from. When a child feels like a child is losing control, they start Mm. losing control. And what I do with my son in the moment, and I have to say, it's worked for me to the point where my son, and I know this is going to sound crazy and no one's going to believe me, but my son probably never had a real tantrum. Mm. He never, and I'll tell you what, I did. And and I, I'm very calm and I'm very spiritual. So in the moments where I saw or I felt, you know, how, how you know your child, I felt he was about to begin a tantrum. The most simple thing in that moment, instead of talking, I just would ask him to give me a hug.
1: Mm-hmm. I would just yeah, connect say,
0: with him. Uh, yeah. I would just connect. connect with him and I would just say, And he would start like whining and uh, and making sounds. And I'm like, okay. I'm like, okay. I'm like, just give me a hug. I'm like, just give me a hug. And in that moment, he didn't feel alone. And whatever was bothering him Mm -hmm. felt like he can take on if I was there with him. And then as you said later, when he would, you know, some time would go by if we were driving in the car or later that night, I would say, what was bothering you? Why did you feel that you had to whine or cry now he really never whines or cries he never has a full tantrum you know some kids I think and you know I really hope I don't offend anyone when I say this but a lot of times when I see children having tantrums I look at the parents and how they're handling it and the child looks like the parent because the parent is screaming at the child for the child to stop and the child's not going to stop if you're screaming because the child is mirroring you just like we said
1: I really love what you are doing with your son. And uh, I know that there was some, child, some children don't react. It. I think it also depends on the child. If they um, like uh, in this moment, uh, if they like touching this moment, but for some children it's going to work really well. And I, I really love what you just said and that it works for him so well.
0: Thank you. Well, and, that's, and that's the next question I have. Um, there's another quote it says by Bill Ayers. He says, your kids require you to love them for who they are, not spend your time trying to correct them. And as much as parents, we agree and love this. When does a parent, at what point do we step in and realize we have a troubled kid in our case? Let's say we do everything. Let's say we meditate. Let's say, you know, we try to be calm as parents. At what point do we realize, you know, maybe the child? is just a troubled child for other reasons.
1: I created a course for this, for, for parents and within this course there are three principles what, what I call three sets of parenting, which is communication, connection, confident leadership. And I think some of them we've already discussed here. So before I even think about that, my uh, child is a troubled child, I would first uh, work on uh, improving one of them or all of them, like communication, connection, confident leadership. I remember when I was feeling well and I went to parenting course and they asked us at the beginning, oh, tell us what's your problem? What's uh, not your problem, but actually problem with your child? And everyone said about the child, what trouble there is with them. And I said, I think the problem is actually me. I need to work on myself. <laughs> That's why... I'm saying, you know, confident leadership, because you as parent, first of all, need to do a lot of work on yourself if you want to help your child. And again, communication and connection. And only once this doesn't work, I would think about other uh, solutions. And I think that it really is up to the intuition from uh, the parent, because I believe every parent can feel intuitively when... You know, when it's the right time for the child, maybe to, you know, for for help to come from some external uh, sources. I think that uh, every parent needs to rely on their intuition. And I would be very careful about also labeling children, because I think when we label children and when we say, you know, that they're a troubled child or, you know, they can feel very uncomfortable about it and they can start thinking and there is something wrong with them and i think we have to be really really uh, careful about it we need to be very very careful about it i
0: love that you said before you label a child a troubled child focus on communication and connection mm-hmm. i think a lot of times people like to take the easy way out and just, they don't want to deal with the child. They don't want to deal with what's happening. You know, all this stuff that really, if you connect and communicate, you can express and fix. But I also want to ask you, because a lot of the times parents, especially a lot of parents who are what I like to use in the word unconscious parents, because a lot of the times, a lot of people, there are a lot of people who are not living consciously. A lot of people are not living consciously. This is this is why I have my podcast. This is why I do what I do. But it's even worse when you become a parent because if you didn't take care of yourself before you had a child, now your child will feel everything times ten, all your troubles plus their own. But I want to ask you because you know you did survive something so tragic, and you did come from a very dark place now let me ask you from being in the place that you were and then coming to the other side and, and, and now being so conscious and and being such a light how can someone who's not who doesn't know what their intuition feels like or sounds like what does a real intuition feel like for someone who has no idea what intuition even
1: is I think that uh, for everyone, intuition uh, can be can take a completely different form because it depends on what is your uh, channel of communication. So there is no one simple answer uh, to this question. And for some people, it can be in form of uh, feeling inside of their body, uh, feeling uh, that, uh, you know, there is feeling of relief, and that maybe you know a good change is coming, and that uh, that they know they they suddenly feel it's going to be okay, I'm going to get through it, and I can give an example of myself when I actually uh, uh, left the hospital and I was at home, I was in the bathroom, and I had these two voices within my uh, mind. One voice was telling me. You are rubbish you don't deserve anything good because of what has happened you can't create anything good in your life and the other voice was you know what you can actually start creating today completely different reality you have a choice and that's when i decided to actually take this course for parents because i said okay i have a choice so what can i do yes i can focus on becoming better parents so i will take a course in parenting so In that moment, I had this feeling inside of me, this intuitive feeling that I am going to be fine. I'm going to get through it. I'm going to find the strength to get through it. So that's how this intuition worked in my case. And it was feeling and also this voice within my head uh, that said, you you can do it. You can make a choice today to do it. Uh, So it can be in this form. For some people, some people can even intuitively See things uh, which doesn't happen so often but it depends again on your channel of communication some people can even hear uh, so i think that for everyone it's completely uh, different and some people can even have sensations on their body i sometimes feel on the body like uh, the warmth of on my body or tingling on my body and i know then that it's um, like a, a spiritual experience, and I know, and I feel the comfort and that you know that i 'm going to be fine because I know that I'm, that I'm supported, and it 's an intuitive feeling, so there is no one simple answer to this question because everyone is so different for everyone. intuition comes in a different form
0: actually i went to um, I went to a healer before I ever got pregnant, and she told me that she's like, you know, one day you're going to have children. She goes, but after you have your first child, you're going to become very spiritual, very in tune with yourself. And I, I didn't, it's not that I didn't believe it, but I didn't, I didn't know if it was possible. And after I did have my, actually when I got pregnant with my son, this is a a story that I'm willing to share. Um, When I got pregnant with my son, I knew right away. I was about five weeks pregnant, and I didn't even see a doctor yet. And I called the doctor, and I took a pregnancy test. It said I was pregnant, and then I called the doctor to schedule. Because you have to go when you're eight weeks pregnant to, you know, for them to see uh, the, the baby at eight weeks old. Anything before eight weeks, the doctor probably won't take you. So at five weeks, I called the doctor. I said I'm pregnant. I need to come in. I need to schedule an appointment. I come in eight weeks, you know, I get my first ultrasound, which there's nothing there at eight weeks. There's nothing there. And I go home and I start picking baby names and I only picked my son's name. It's my son's name. I didn't pick a girl. I picked the boy and my family, you know, as weeks were going by, they're like, well, what if you have a girl? And I was like, but I don't have a girl. Like I knew this was my son. And then I had a dream and my son came to me in my dream and I didn't see what he looked like, but I heard his voice, which was so crazy to have this dream. I heard his voice and he was laughing. He was playing. He said, mommy, mommy, I'm a boy. And I woke up and, and I told everyone, I said, I, love this story. I said, he's a boy. Thank you. I know when I, when I, when I talk about it, 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 I sometimes can't believe that it happened to me. And I woke up and I told everyone, I'm like, he's a boy, he's a boy. And everyone's like, okay, well, you know, just in case, pick out a girl's name. I was like, no, I'm having a boy. So then it was the day that you find out if you're having a boy or a girl. This was weeks later after my dream. And now I'm going to the doctor's office and I'm thinking, if this is not a boy, I am going to check myself into a crazy house because, <laughs> because you know, I'm having dreams. He's talking yeah. to me. And I'm like really in tune. I'm thinking it's a boy. I'm like, and what happens if the doctor turns around and says, it's a girl? I said, I'm going to the crazy house. So when the doctor said, do you want to know if it's a boy or a girl? I completely zoned out. And my husband at the time was like, yeah, we want to know. And when the doctor said, it's a boy, I didn't hear her. I kind of like spiritually, I, I think the best way to explain it is I left the room spiritually, because all I remember is my husband was shaking me. He's like, it's a boy, it's a boy. And I came <laughs> back and I started crying because I was like, okay, I'm not crazy. And then, uh, <laughs> then two weeks later, it gets, it gets even weirder. Two weeks later, my son came to me. And he came to me with what he looks like. He had blonde hair and blue eyes. And I woke up and I told everyone, I said, he has blonde hair and blue eyes. And my, my husband has very dark hair. So everyone was like, there's no way you have a blonde baby. I was like, I'm telling you, my son is blonde. And when he was born, he was born with blonde hair and blue eyes, just like when I was pregnant with him. And then after I had him, I just became so in tune with myself with people you know i i can sometimes look at someone and i can i can feel their energy very quickly very fast and yeah
1: i I love this story
0: (laughs) thank you yeah sometimes when i say it i can't believe i went through that
1: you know yeah yeah i i I very much believe uh in that and i believe in those all those signs we get Uh, from the universe and uh, another thing that happened to me actually when I wasn't feeling well uh, when I prayed for a miracle it was I was asking Saint Teresa for help and one day my son came with me to the playground and he found a medallion and on this medallion was her picture and I was praying to her every day and for me it was a sign that she's with me she's helping me so uh, I am very much in tune with all those messages uh, we receive. And that's why I think that as parents, we really need to tune into our intuition because we have those answers within ourselves. So I, I, I-,
0: <laughs> I love that. Can you tell everyone where they can find you on social media, where your courses are?
1: The name of my, uh, my company is Hero Family. You can find me, like the website is www.theherofamily.com. On Instagram, it's Instagram The Hero Family Coaching because I created a course for parents. It's called The Hero Parents, The Hero Kids, Raise Happy, Empowered, Resilient Children, Fulfilling Their Potential. The reason why I created it is because I met so many parents on my path that are going through similar struggles that I went through when I wasn't feeling well and I want to help those parents now and I also want to help parents to raise happy resilient children because there are a lot of children these days that fall into depression and I believe that by helping parents to be more aware conscious and by using various tools to be you know, to improve communication, connection, this confident leadership, we can actually help children so that we lessen the risk of this oppression happening. If anyone is interested, uh, you can go to my website and you can click on discovery call. It's completely free and you can discuss with me your parenting struggles or maybe if you have any parenting goals or if you are not sure what goals you have and you want to create them. Thank you so, so,
0: so, so very much. This has been such a great pleasure to have you on the show.
1: Thank you. I'm really glad that you found me. (laughs) I believe (laughs) it happened for a reason. Thank you so much. (laughs)